0: You're listening to the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. This is a conversation all about leadership, vision, and joining in God's activity wherever you are. You can follow along with today's episode using the show notes at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast or on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks again for tuning in today. We hope you enjoy this episode. Well, what is going on? My name is Scott Worthington, and I'm so glad you're joining us. This is the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast, episode number 39, hard to believe. We are, this is launching in the beginning of December, so it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Uh, We are recording this in the middle of November, so we hadn't quite gotten to Thanksgiving, but um, we're just really, really grateful that you would carve out some time to listen to this podcast in the midst of what I'm sure is the craziest year of your leadership wherever you are leading. We are just grateful you take some time. Um, if you haven't already, we've been talking about it for months now, I guess almost, almost a year now. Uh, Vance Pittman, the namesake of this podcast, released a book back in January, which seems like 70 years ago, uh, called Unburdened. You can pick that up wherever books are sold. We'd love for you to check out that book. Um, That's the housekeeping I have every single podcast. If you haven't listened to any of the other previous ones, go back and listen to them. We got 38 other ones for you to check out, but I am sitting down here, as always, in the offices of Hope Church with the man, the myth, the legend, my mentor, my pastor, Vance Pittman. Vance, how you doing, bro?
1: Man, I'm doing great. Scott, doing really good. Uh, I know you're coming off a big weekend, just celebrated an 12 anniversary. 12
0: years with my wife.
1: 12 years of marriage. Amen. Congratulations Thank to you, you guys. Hope you had a good weekend celebrating, even though uh, there are all these restrictions in, yes. in, in the culture of where you can eat, and where you can't eat, and what you can do. But hope you guys had a great weekend. But no, I'm doing great, man. It's uh hard to believe, but we're getting right at that holiday season. We're right here recording this on the brink of Thanksgiving, and then there'll be the Christmas rush after that. So it's that time of year, man. So everything's good. It's awesome.
0: So this is going to be a kind of a different episode, as you saw on the title. Normally, we're opening up the scriptures. We're pulling out leadership principles out of God's word. And today, as we begin December, I thought it'd be fun. A few months ago, we sat down, Vance and I, and kind of planned out where this podcast is going and some topics. And, and I thought it'd be fun to ask Vance kind of a more Laid-back question, which is, what are your leadership pet peeves? Um, actually, Vance, when we sat down to record this right now, he said he actually looked up the what a pet peeve is. It's kind of one of those words we we think we know what it means, but. That's kind of a strange way to say it. So we're talking about leadership pet peeves today, Vance. What on earth is a pet peeve?
1: Hey, I looked it up and I Googled the word pet peeve and it gave me a literal definition. A pet peeve is something a particular person finds especially annoying. So these are things that we find particularly annoying. And when you put it in the realm of leadership, for me, it's kind of like, what are some leadership turn offs? things that you just don't appreciate. So that's what a pet peeve is and what we're going to be talking about today.
0: So we all have them, even as Vance said that, or as you clicked on this episode, you're thinking, oh, here's here's my one, two, three, four, five leadership pet peeves. Whether you've been leading for a year or a decade or three decades like Vance, over the years, things just pop up that kind of become those annoyances. Uh, so I think this is helpful just for any leader listening right now, just to kind of hear Vance's. And again, it's kind of a fun topic, um, but we're going to get into some really good stuff just as we are Talking through the episode that I think is going to be really helpful for the listeners. But, Vance, before we dive in, I I thought I'd get this idea of pet peeves on the table. See, I've known Vance, if you're listening to this, I've known Vance for about 13 years now. So I've kind of, I've kind of, uh, grown to know some of his pet peeves, so he has no idea that (laughs) I'm doing this, by the way. So I'm going to just say a few things, Vance. I'm going to say a a phrase or a sentence, and I just want you to give me your first reaction. We did this several episodes ago, but this is specifically things that I have learned might be, just might be, your pet peeves. So just in in one word, or maybe even a a noise, tell (laughs) me what you might think about these things. Are you ready?
1: I no, but- I got a feeling this is going to cause me to groan quite a several times.
0: The fact that Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays.
1: Mm. <laughs> it's painful. Uh, I have made the mistake so many times of driving up to Chick-fil-A on a Sunday uh, only to be disappointed that they are closed. So, yeah, that's a that's a pretty big pet peeve. This is kind
0: of a new one. Uh, Vance, the color green. Mm. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's a loaded question. We just went through a uh, redo of our logo here at Hope Church, and the first round, it felt like 50 shades of green, (laughs) and uh, I was not thrilled at all.
0: It was was one of those times where I walk out of the meeting, and I'm like, man, I've known Vance a long time. I had no idea how much he hated (laughs) the color green. Particularly
1: seafoam green (laughs) when your church is in the desert. Uh, uh, it didn't make sense.
0: I got a couple of new ones, uh, a couple other ones. Uh, people being late to meetings.
1: Oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> being late literally is like way up there on my list. My family knows this. Like if you're not 15 minutes early, you're late. Uh, to me, arriving at the movies on time means you've got popcorn, drink, and seat when the previews start. <laughs> so being late to a meeting, oh my gosh, it makes me want to f- turn my desk upside down. So
0: to-, to- Two ones to end. Uh, This one is kind of goes without saying, but uh, Alabama losing.
1: Man, that's just (laughs) – that's below the belt. Uh,
0: To go with that – The
1: good news is it doesn't happen very often, but – To
0: to go with that, uh,
1: Jerry Jones winning. Oh, man, that's right (laughs) up there. You're right. Uh, Scott, being the Dallas Cowboy fan – yeah, not a fan of Jerry Jones and uh although if you're listening, Jerry, thank you very much oh, for man. listening in. Jerry, but... if
0: you're listening, I love you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh no, those are definitely pet peeves of mine. I, I saw a note on here where I thought you were gonna ask me to come up with these, so I didn't know you were gonna do it that way. No,
0: that's, I, I, I tricked you. I tricked so you like good. you tricked Pastor Tom this week as we as we celebrated him being on our staff for 10 years. That's so. awesome, great. So we're gonna jump in now. Um, that was fun, and, and again, I wanted to do that. We all got pet peeves. Like That's just a few that I know of Vance, just kind of fun, outside of ministry, over 13 years of knowing him, but even as we're talking, you are already probably formulating wherever you're leading. Whether you're in ministry, you're in the marketplace, you're at home. Uh, we all have things that just uh, that just give us that 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 grunt that Vance had on several of those, and so um, we're going to talk about four four that, that Vance has come up with that that really are, as he said earlier, leadership annoyances. These are leadership turnoffs for him, and I think they're going to be really really helpful. So, Vance, jump in. What's the what's the first leadership pet peeve we're going to talk about today?
1: Yeah, and let me qualify these by saying, I mean, you may not agree with these, and that's okay. These are not like scripture. They're not rooted and grounded in the inerrancy of God's word, Uh, but there are things after 31 years in my own life as a leader that um, are are some of those leadership pet peeves, things that that I just really find, I guess, especially annoying. Uh, But the first one for me is the absence of humility in younger leaders. And before younger leaders turn this off, just know I'm not saying this is particularly exclusive to young leaders. It's not. I know older leaders who also have an absence of humility, but everybody who has an absence of humility or lack of humility as an older leader, it started when you were a younger leader. And um, I, I think it one of the reasons that I, I think it's such a leadership turnoff is I believe the defining mark of Christ's life in the Gospels is really this aspect of humility. You see Jesus as he lived on earth, as he embodied uh, as as Christ became a man and lived his life on the earth, this defining characteristic of humility in everything that he did. Even when describing himself in Matthew chapter 11 verse 29, Jesus said, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am." And then he gives this qualifier, "I am gentle, And humble in heart. And really, gentleness is the outward expression of humility. I think that's why he said it that way. I am gentle and I'm humble in heart. On the inside, there was a humility. Outwardly, it manifested itself in a gentleness towards others. And so often, when I see young leaders uh, that are demonstrating this lack of humility, rather than there being a gentleness and a humility, there's a harshness and an arrogance. And I just think it's a massive turnoff. It's a uh, leadership turnoff as you think about it in the life of a young leader. In Proverbs chapter 9, Proverbs talks about um, this principle, I think, of humility and how humility leads to teachability, which leads to wisdom. And if you could, I know this is, uh, people are listening to this, they're not watching it, but if you could imagine three words kind of written in a circle and arrows uh, connecting those words, it would be the words humility, teachability and wisdom. Humility uh, leads to teachability, teachability leads to wisdom, and then wisdom manifests itself in more humility. So it's this spiral of growth and development. And the writer of Proverbs in Proverbs chapter 9 says it this way, "...give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in his learning." The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. It's that idea that where there's wisdom, there's an understanding that I don't, know, I don't know it all. It produces humility that leads to a teachability that only increases the wisdom that we have. That's why it says, give instruction to a wise man. Let me tell you what's going to happen. He's going to become wiser. So uh, an absence of humility in younger leaders is, to me, a major leadership turn off and I would just give three words of suggestion if you will to younger leaders and here they are number 1 talk less when you're in an environment as a young leader you don't have to prove your worth with words talk less number 2 listen more just because you talk less doesn't mean you're actually listening more so make sure you're leaning in to listen and to learn and number 3 ask good Questions. Talk less, listen more, ask good questions. You say, What are good questions? Well, I would have, when I was a younger leader, I kept a few, and I still do this, but some questions that I kind of keep in my pocket. When I get around an experienced leader that I want to learn from, I ask questions like, Who in your life has influenced you the most and why? What are the top three books that you've read that have impacted your life? Uh, what's the greatest lesson you've ever learned as a leader? And then something that, that keeps it real current, what's God doing in your life right now? So that I can learn not just from their past experience, but I can learn from their present reality in gleaning where they're living right now. So um, it's just one of those things to me, Scott, that is just a massive leadership turnoff when you see a young leader who thinks they know it all, they think they have to prove themselves to everybody, and they just have this absence of humility. To me, it's really an absence of Christ's likeness and something that needs to be looked at.
0: Yeah, before we move on, I remember early on in my leadership, I um, I forget who it was in our church I was talking to, but it was a gentleman, and he's, he's a much older man at this point, uh, one of our ushers, and um, honestly, kind of just looked at him as a, as a really soft, gentle, o- old guy. Um, and then I started to get to know him, and he was telling me about his leadership in his before he retired and this guy is like a total baller leader and it just god spoke to me in that moment of like man this guy you're looking at him as kind of this old man But this guy can teach you so much. This guy's been around circles and influencers, and he is now looked at as kind of this old usher guy, but he is a retired man who has been, who has has so influenced so many people. And it was kind of one of those moments, like you were just saying, there's people around me that I can just learn from and listen to um, and be ready to ask those good questions too. So that's good. An absence of humility in younger leaders. That is leadership pet peeve from Vance Pittman. Number one, that's solid. Number two, kind of goes hand in hand. What is it, Vance?
1: Yeah, number two, since I picked on younger leaders a little bit, let me, let me address something with what I see in older leaders, um, and that is a lack of letting go in older leaders, or to say that another way, where older leaders stay too long. Um, I've seen this this mistake happen many times in in leaders, friends that I know, pastors that I know that pastored churches or led organizations, and they just weren't ever able to let it go. They just stayed too long, and in staying too long, they they had a negative effect on the ministry, the church, the organization that they were leading, because it was time for them to let it go. It was time for them to pass the baton, and they just couldn't let it go. So um, I I don't want to, and that's really current for me, because I just turned 49. Um, I've been at Hope now pastoring for 20 years. I know that my time in leadership at Hope and the role that I'm in now looking out the windshield is shorter than it is looking in the rearview mirror. The 20 plus years behind me are a longer time span than I know I have in front of me as a leader here in this role. And so I'm wrestling through these issues myself. You know, when is the right time? What does that look like? Um, And if you're a hope person, listen to this. I'm not talking about the next six months or anything. I'm just saying um, it's something that I think all of us, as we move into kind of that second half of ministry, we need to begin to think about this. And I was kind of wrestling with why is it that leaders won't let go? Uh, And I wrote down four. This is probably not an exhaustive list, but four reasons why I think a lot of older leaders don't let go when they should or they stay too long. Number one, it's an identity issue. And an identity issue means I am what I do. Uh, Too many times as leaders, rather than being rooted and grounded in our love relationship with Jesus, we get so wrapped up in what we do that we can't imagine an existence outside of our current situation as it pertains to leadership. And so we get so wrapped up in it that, for example, as a pastor, a lot of pastors begin to find their identity in being a pastor and not in being a loved, accepted child of the Father. And one of the things that's been so liberating for me through the COVID journey has been um, man, the first three or four months of COVID, we didn't have church on Sundays. Uh, we were just recording during the week. And so for the first time in 31 years of ministry, Friday, Saturday, <laughs> Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I was first and foremost dad. Uh, or I was husband, dad, and granddad. And I got to enjoy being something other than just the pastor on the weekend. And, man, I found great freedom and great joy in just being a husband dad and granddad and i think as as leaders we have to be careful that it's not an identity issue we stay because we don't we're, we're afraid of what life beyond my position looks like number 2 it's an authority issue uh, i like being in control uh, some guys and ladies in leadership will not pass the baton they won't let it go because they simply like being in control, they like being the one to call the shots, they like being the one to make decisions, and you can get so used to holding the reins that it's hard to let them go. A third reason that uh, leaders sometimes don't let go and don't pass on the baton of ministry leadership or leadership in general is a legacy issue, and that's the statement: I don't think I can. I don't think this will survive without me. Um, And that really is the flip side of a coin that means I didn't do a good job of planning for succession. And part of our responsibility as leaders is to raise up the next generation of leadership. Now, understand organizational polity will determine the process. And every church, every organization, every company is going to be different in how they find the next leader. But if you've been a highly successful leader over a long period of time, I promise you they will want your voice in that process regardless of where it falls in the organizational polity. And part of our responsibility as leaders is to see the ministry succeed, to see, in my case, the ministry, or in your case, maybe the organization or whatever it is, to see it succeed beyond your lifetime of leadership. Uh, In in the Old Testament, the, the Bible says about the Lord's plans are from generation to generation, meaning that if what I'm really doing as a leader is connected to the big picture of what God's doing in the world, it won't just be in my generation. It will impact generations to come because his plans are from generation to generation. And when you look at the ministry of Jesus, Jesus in the New Testament focused more on succession than he did on success. Uh, he spent the vast majority of his time raising up the leaders that he would pass the baton to. And listen, if any of us think, well, I'm just not sure this person, I'm not sure they're ready. Listen, nobody ever could ask that question like Jesus. I mean, there's never been a greater conden- condescension of of leadership from Jesus passing the baton to Peter, James, John, and the rest of the disciples. None of us will ever do that. But it's a legacy issue. We think it won't survive without us, or we've not done a good job of raising up uh, the the succession of leadership. And then the fourth reason is a money issue. And this one's just I can't afford to quit. Uh, some leaders stay because they feel like they, they haven't done a good job of planning. And um, you've heard me say before on the podcast, if you're a listener, that we have to live what we lead. And if we're not living what we lead, we, we, we won't be successful long term. And part of that is is the issue of stewardship and making sure that as a leader, I'm not living above my means, I'm preparing for the future so that when it come time, comes time for me to pass the baton, money's not the reason why. And so maybe you're listening to this, maybe you've been in leadership and you're as a pastor, as a ministry leader, or in an organization for an extended period of time, and you've begun to ask the question about, you know, is it time for me to pass the baton, you need to make sure that you're not holding on too long, either because of an identity issue, I am what I do, an authority issue, I like being in control, a legacy issue, I don't think it's going to survive without me, or a money issue, I can't afford to quit. Whoa. Um Man, that was good. I, I When
0: Vance was kind of sharing these notes with me before we started, I thought, man, that, that could almost be a podcast in and of itself. And so who knows? Maybe in the future we could actually drill down on that even more. But that was really, really helpful. Um, again, these are just Vance's kind of leadership turnoffs, an absence of humility in younger leaders, a lack of letting go in older leaders. And we have two more to finish up today.
1: Yeah. The third one, Scott, is really, it's just the word, I guess, disloyalty or a lack of loyalty. And again, I said at the beginning, these are not like rooted and grounded in Scripture. They're my personal kind of pet peeves. And for me, disloyalty is one of those that's at the top of the list. Um, And I think there's a few reasons for that. I I know our executive pastor who's been on our podcast before, Travis Ogle, he likes to joke with me and tell me that my, my love language is loyalty. Uh, that that I, I really place a high priority on loyalty. So I know this is something that's very personal to me. It means a lot. I think it's personal to me <laughs> for starters because loyalty is rooted for me in the characteristic of God's faithfulness, his steadfast devotion. And I think as Christ manifests himself in and through us towards one another, one of the ways that's reflected is a steadfast devotion to each other. When you put that in an organizational structure, that means loyalty. Now, I'm not talking about blind allegiance. I'm not talking about a situation where you follow somebody regardless of their character issues, their leadership issues, but I'm talking about an environment of steadfast devotion. And I would also say this about it. Loyalty is a two-way street. I'm not talking about a loyalty that I demand from others that I don't reciprocate in my relationship back towards them. I think in a working environment, in a working relationship as a leader, I expect the people on my team to be passionately loyal because I'm going to demonstrate a passionate loyalty towards them. Uh, When others come to me to a fault, I will defend the people around me until I'm proven otherwise. Um, and I want that same kind of loyalty reciprocated. We just had an example here um, on our staff team that demonstrated the way that we, we, we value loyalty. Uh, when COVID hit and everybody was uncertain about jobs and our city in Las Vegas, people were being laid off by the tens of thousands, and our own staff team was kind of nervous. You know, what does that mean for us? And we'd done a by God's grace, an effective job of planning for the future financially, and we had reserve in place. And one of the first things we did was we brought our entire staff team together and communicated to them that for the the next twenty two weeks is what it started as. We we mapped out twenty two weeks, which carried us through two and a half months or so, or three months. And uh, we said to our team, "Listen, you need to know that from a from a financial standpoint, your pay, your job, your benefits is not going to change." And the reason we did that was we valued loyalty and wanted to make sure that our team understood that we had their back regardless of the situation and circumstance. So loyalty is a two-way street. And and here's the other thing I'd say about loyalty. Loyalty is always, in my book, rewarded with more responsibility. When I find somebody that I know I can trust, that loyalty is intact, it's it's a person, an individual, where I feel like we can push more responsibility across the table because they can be trusted with that responsibility. So for me, disloyalty, man, it's a deal breaker. Um, I don't know if you ever watch the show Shark Tank, but I'm a, I am ai love to watch the show Shark Tank. I've watched most of the episodes. I've re-watched a bunch of the episodes in syndication. Um, Mr. Wonderful on there has this classic line when somebody turns down his deal where he says to them, you're dead to me. <laughs> Now, I understand that in Christ, we can never get to the place we say, you're dead to me. I understand biblically we're to have a forgiving spirit, and I want to do that. But I'm just telling you, after 31 years in leadership, when there is disloyalty, my heart wants to say, you're dead to me.
0: You you heard it here first, folks, on the leadership on the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast, taking spiritual advice from Mister Wonder.
1: <laughs> That's right, exactly. Uh,
0: if you don't know who that is, Google it. He's definitely the most standout character on uh, sure. on Shark Tank. Uh, real quick, though, Vance mentioned uh, kind of how we we during the, in the beginning of COVID kind of handled that with our staff team. We did an entire episode on leading through financial downturn, and episode twenty nine. I know um, some of us are still walking through that in the midst of this crazy year, and so if that kind of perked your interest. Episode twenty nine, we we dedicated a whole episode uh, just to talking about how to lead well and how to set yourself up for things like what our whole nation and world is facing right now. So as we finish up today, Vance, uh, what is what is one more uh, leadership pet peeve?
1: Yeah, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this one, except to say this one's really unique to the call of pastor. Um, we're living in the era of the celebrity pastor. And a pet peeve for me, as it pertains to pastoral leadership, is when I see people pursuing a platform rather than simply being a pastor. Uh, in this day of celebrity pastor, I, I'm, I'm, and because I, I work in the field of church planning quite a bit, you know, you get around some young guys that are that are just starting in ministry. And man, they want to start talking brand. They want to start talking podcast. They want to start talking writing books. They want to start talking speaking schedule. They want to get their own website. Um, And they start really, the church and the pastorate is really more about a plank that allows them to have a platform instead of the call of God on their lives. And so I would just challenge all of us, myself included in pastoral ministry, to think about pastoral ministry through four levels of call. And the first is level one, and that's simply to live in Christ, and if you listen to this podcast, you've heard me say over and over again, the primary call is not ministry, it's intimacy. Ministry is what he does out of the overflow of intimacy. But this, the level one call is to just live in Christ and allow abiding in Christ and intimacy with Christ to be the foundation of everything in your life. So above all else, pursue Christ. Level two in, in ministry, the call is to, to not just to live in Christ, but then to love your family that your family it becomes the platform by which you have credibility to, to, to involve yourself in ministry. That's why Paul in 1 Timothy gives us the qualifications for leadership in the church, and those qualifications are largely based on a person's ability to live in Christ and love their family. So level is to live in Christ. Level is to love your family. The level three call is then to lead in ministry or to lead the fellowship God's called you to. The church is not just a stepping stone to a platform. The church is the bride of Christ. God's called you to lead that fellowship uh, and to do so faithfully, and and to give your life to doing that on t- after you've lived in Christ and loved your family, you lead the fellowship. And then the fourth level of that call is then to leverage your influence. Should out of the overflow of your living in Christ, loving your family, and leading the ministry of fellowship, God's called you to. Should God give you influence, then you leverage that for the sake of the kingdom. And and I see that kind of like an upside down triangle where the point is at the bottom and it all builds on one another. Living in Christ, loving your family, leading the ministry, the church, the fellowship God's called you to, then you leverage your influence. Unfortunately, what I'm seeing today, Scott, is a lot of young guys in ministry they're they're simply doing the other things to get to the place of trying to build and have a platform. I, I didn't need that when I started in ministry thirty one years ago, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like I didn't know you could have that. But in the world today we live in with social media and and internet platforms and the digital world, uh, there's just this this thing that says if you don't somehow have a platform that you hadn't arrived in ministry. And I think some of the people that are going to be the most celebrated heroes in heaven are going to be people that never had the platform. They simply lived in Christ, they loved their family, and they led the ministry God called them to, and they're laying up treasure in heaven. Now, is it wrong to leverage influence as God gives it to you? No. What's wrong is to lust after the platform, and there's so much of that happening today, and I think it's one of the reasons why we're seeing the onslaught of moral failures like we're seeing across the country today today, Um, In ministry leadership, there have been two or three recent ones that we could mention. Heartbreaking, soul-crushing for their families and the ministries. But um, if we don't have those three things underneath it to to support the leveraging of the influence, then that whole thing is going to topple. And that's what you're seeing happen a lot today. And here's just one little practical example of what I mean by this. Um, God's called me to live in Christ, to love my family, to lead Hope Church. So all the preparation that I do for preaching, for for teaching God's Word, it happens for Hope Church. This is where God's called me. Now, I'll be on the road in a normal year, 80, 90 nights a year, and I'll speak in probably 50, 60 different environments around the country, usually tens of thousands of people represented in those environments. But here's the deal. Everywhere else I preach and teach... It's out of the overflow of what God's doing here at Hope Church. I don't prepare new content for other places. I take something God's done here. Now, will I shape it towards a theme or towards an event that I'm going to? Absolutely. But I believe God's called me here first. I'm not saying it's wrong to do that. I'm just saying, for me, God's called me to this church. This is where I'm supposed to be leading. And everything else is leveraging what God's doing here uh, for the sake of the kingdom. So that's just an example of what I'm talking about.
0: Yeah. I remember uh, early on when uh, I traveled with you a couple times when I first started, um, I remember when you told me that, I thought it was a really, it was a really cool before podcast, before all this, it was like, wow, that... That really is this idea of what he's doing in the out of the overflow principle really uh, really taking effect. So appreciate your your wisdom on that and just your transparency and and if you're listening, those are Vance Pittman's leadership pet peeves. Um, I hope that encourages you, maybe challenges you. Maybe if you if you lead a team of people in the church or in the marketplace, you sit your team down and and go through this podcast and uh, have some conversations about maybe some leadership pet peeves of yours. Um, and hopefully this kind of sparks a conversation with teams all across the country and all across the World, as you listen to this. So, uh, Vance, thank you for your time today. We'll we'll be back uh, in in January of twenty twenty one. It's a new year, Vance. Next time we're on the podcast, praise God, and uh, we'll we'll catch you on the next round of the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. Thanks again for joining us for the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. You can find all the show notes on your favorite podcasting app or at hopechurchonline.com slash podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. We will be releasing a new episode on the first Monday
1: of every month to help you and your teams lead like never before.